We turn today in the gospel to Matthew 21, uh, a time when um, we are very nearly at the place um, where Jesus gathers with his disciples in the upper room and institutes this this holy meal that we continue to celebrate today. But Jesus is teaching in the, the temple during Holy Week. If you are able to stand to receive the gospel, would you do so now? Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first time, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who produce the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that Jesus was preaching about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus is in Jerusalem. It is the last week of his life on earth. He entered the city, remember, amid shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And during that week, he spent much time in the temple teaching there. It fascinates me how much of the gospel of Matthew, and this is true of all the gospels, but how much of the gospel of Matthew is devoted to the things that Jesus taught in the temple during those few days. There are five chapters of them. Nearly nearly 20% of Matthew's gospel is devoted to just recounting the things that Jesus taught in the temple during those few days. We've already heard two of the parables he told that week. Last Sunday... Remember, it was the the two sons 
whose father told them to go and work in the vineyard. Work in his vineyard. The first son said, said, no, I won't go. But then he changed his mind and went. And the second son, yes, said yes, he would go. But then he didn't. He had other things that took him away. Which one, Jesus asked, did the will of his father? Jesus was suggesting that the religious leaders who were part of the crowd Jesus was addressing in the temple, the religious leaders were those who had first said yes to God, but they didn't follow through. There were others, Jesus told them, prostitutes and tax collectors, for example, who had initially said no to God, but then they changed direction and began to follow God's ways. Those folks, people like that, were going to enter the kingdom of God ahead of those who thought themselves to be so good. This morning's parable, the very next one that Jesus tells, is a story about a vineyard. The owner sends his servants to collect rent from the tenants. The rent, of course, was to be part of the harvest. But the servants are treated, the slaves, Matthew calls them, Slaves were treated shamefully. Instead of the fruit of the harvest, there is violence. The landowner, then after his slaves are mistreated and some of them killed, the landowner sends his son to secure what is due to him from his tenants, but they kill the son, intending to take over the land for themselves. And Jesus ends his parable with a question. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And the answer that comes from the crowd, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at harvest time. Well, that must be the answer that Jesus wanted because just a bit later in the conversation, he repeats it. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who produce the fruits of the kingdom. Pointed stories, pointed parables, and their, their intent, their meaning is unmistakable. One of the things that uh, that I hear all around me, and I'm sure you hear it too. In fact, we, we hear it so often, we probably have tuned it out. Um, talk about the bottom line. You ever hear about that at, at, at home or at work? Even hear about it in church sometime. Talking about the bottom line is not an uncommon thing, an expression that, that I hear often. And most of all, when we hear the, hear the phrase, the bottom line, it has to do with money. You know, what will be, what will be the profits of a transaction or the profits of a business or the profits of an exchange? What will we have left after all the expenses are paid? That's the bottom line. The, the, the profit, the takeaway, the bottom line. Sometimes, sometimes when we're concerned with the bottom line, we're interested in knowing what's the least that I can do to get by or what do I need to do to finish this project. When the, when the professor describes the requirements of a course, we want to know what the bottom line is. That is, what do I have to do to pass this course? What do I have to produce? What's the bottom line? 
In this parable that Jesus told, the landowner leased his vineyard to tenants. The owner did not expect to receive any money for the rent. He he did not expect to receive a a monthly check in the mail. His compensation was to be an agreed-upon portion of the harvest. And Jesus is, is telling this story to the crowd, remember? And the crowd who's, who's gathered to hear him in the temple. And, and the temple would have been quite filled in those days because the Passover was coming. It was, it was the holiday time, festival time. So there's quite a crowd that Jesus is addressing. And, and the, the religious leaders are among them. In the first story, Jesus suggested that the ones who first said yes to God, but then went their own way, were sacrificing their place in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, they would, they would be, well, they would come in late at best, if not be left out. But in this story, Jesus suggests that they are not producing the fruits of the kingdom. When we come to the bottom line, Jesus might have said, when we come to the bottom line, you don't have what it takes. You have not produced the fruits of the kingdom. You have not come up with what you need to come up with in order to qualify, in order to pass the course, in order to finish. When I read this story, I read it over many times this week, talked about it, on Wednesday night with my study group. And um, um, the thing that, that stayed with me as, as I read and reread and reread this story is, what's the bottom line? What is it that, that Jesus expects of us or of anyone? He, he, says, he says in the story that, that you have not produced the fruits of the kingdom when he's talking to the religious leaders in his day. So, so what are the fruits of the kingdom that he's talking about? What, what's the bottom line that Jesus expects? What is it that, that Jesus wants from us when it's all said and done? I think the, the, the bottom line is a good way to, to ask the question I'm trying to ask. What is it that God wants from us? Well, you know, as, as I, as I realize that, that that's what Jesus is moving us toward, the bottom line and asking, and, and the question, what does Jesus expect from us? When he was looking at those religious leaders who weren't producing, who weren't behaving, who weren't living as he thought they should, what was it that Jesus wanted from them? What were the things that they needed to do? It occurred to me, as, as I, as I finally focused in on that question, as I think Jesus was focusing in on that question, that the answer to that question permeates the scripture. It's everywhere. What are the fruits of the kingdom? What's the bottom line? What does Jesus expect of us? The answer permeates the scripture, Old and New Testaments alike. But um, there are a couple of places that, that it's easy to go to find that, quest, that, that question answered and to find those answers poetically. My favorite spot, two of my favorite spots, are the prophets of the Old Testament. Here's what, here, here's the way that Micah, the prophet, says it. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? You got that? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, 
to walk humbly with your God, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Or there are the incomparable words of Amos, Amos the prophet, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's what the landowner expected of his tenant. Justice and righteousness. Simple as that and yet as challenging as that. Those I want to suggest to you because I think the scripture states it repeatedly. And Jesus is always trying to focus it on us. Those are the fruits of the kingdom. The things that Jesus is desiring and expecting of us and of the way that we live. Justice and righteousness. It's as simple and as challenging as that. And if you're paying attention, in places sometimes we don't expect, The fruits of the kingdom emerge. Sometimes against our will and contrary to our planning. But the fruits of the kingdom emerge. I have to give myself a talking to just about every day. So that instead of looking for places, and they are abundant. Instead of looking for places where the fruits of the kingdom are absent. Instead, I'm trying at my young and tender age, I'm trying to train myself to look for the places where the fruits of the kingdom are present and abundant. There are those places. Let me tell you a story about one. It was a cool September night, maybe not this cool, but cool September night in Yankee Stadium in New York, Not too many years ago, a foul ball was hit into the lower left field stands. It was heading right toward a little boy about nine years old who had obviously come to the game hoping for just such a moment. This little guy had a pair of plastic binoculars around his neck and he was wearing an oversized Yankee baseball cap And he had a small little league glove on his hand the whole game. The foul ball was arching directly toward this little boy's outstretched hand. And just as the ball was coming in, suddenly a man about 35 years old wearing an expensive knit shirt and a pair of horn-rimmed glasses reached over the boy, jostled him aside, and caught the ball. In that jostle, the plastic binoculars were broken. And that little guy, despite his his dad's comfort, was clearly crushed. Everybody in the left field stands saw what had happened. And after a second or two of stunned silence, someone shouted, Give the kid the ball! And then... Somebody else yelled, give the kid the ball. A couple of rows joined in unison. Can you hear them? Give the kid the ball. Give the kid the ball. Well, Horn Rims shook his head and stuck the ball in his pocket and sat down. Well, you know how crowds are at baseball games. 
That simply inflamed the whole left field stand. And with one voice, they took up the chant. Give the kid the ball. Give the kid the ball. And before you knew it, it spread to the center field stands. Give the kid the ball. Players began to glance up from the field, wondering what's going on up there in the stands. But horn rims sat there, stubborn and firm, not making a move. The coveted ball still in his pocket. Finally, a man got up out of his seat, walked over to horn rims, and spoke some words quietly in his ear. They were patient and gentle, but firm words. No one ever knew what they were. But just after this fellow left and went back to his seat, Horn Rims reached into his pocket and handed the ball to the kid. And then the shout or the, uh, uh, the, the refrain changed. He gave the kid the ball. He gave the kid the ball somewhat. And the whole stand started Thundering, He gave the kid the ball and everyone applauded all around the stadium. But then, then an even stranger thing started to happen. Another foul ball happened to land in the left field stands and, and this fellow reached up and caught it. And he walked over and handed it to the guy with the knit shirt and the horn rim glasses. And, and that gentleman incredulously thanked him and and took the ball in his hand. And then a short time later, yet yet another foul ball came into the left field stands and a fella fella in a muscle shirt uh, with a Fu Manchu mustache stood up and caught it. And he turned around and tossed that ball to the kid who, to everyone's delight, caught it with his little glove. More enthusiastic applause from the crowd they had, they had come to see a baseball game that night, but, but instead they had witnessed a city parable of, of justice and righteousness and grace. The, the, the righteousness that God desires, the justice that God desires of us, the, the fruit of the kingdom about which Jesus spoke can be created in all kinds of places, in all kinds of ways. It can spring up at the most unexpected times. From baseball stadiums to churches, from, from ghettos to palaces, from our own living rooms to the streets of our cities. The righteousness, the justice that God desires from us can happen in the most unexpected places. At times when we're looking for other things, it is of course best encountered, most unmistakably encountered the justice, the righteousness that God desires of us encountered at the Lord's table. For we have received from God in such abundance that our lives have been redeemed and God's salvation is ours because we have been visited with God's justice and God's righteousness. And when we gather at the Lord's table, there are many things that happen to us there. But among the things that happen, the fruits of the kingdom need to be inspired in us. And we can be strengthened in our desire and in our ability to render justice and righteousness, the fruits of the kingdom, everywhere we go 
in every day of our lives. Amen.